welcome to another Co-op Conversations podcast episode. Each episode features different guests living in housing cooperatives in various parts of the world. Through these conversations, you'll learn more about life in a housing cooperative for children, teenagers, parents, and seniors. In one episode, we take a slightly different approach and we talk to Brenda Torpy from Burlington, Vermont, who is a longtime champion of the community land trust model, a land ownership model that some housing co-ops also use. I'm Julie LaPalm, Secretary General of Cooperative Housing International, or CHI. I deliver CHI's work program, which includes communications, education, and knowledge sharing, governance, and collaborations. Cooperative Housing International is one of the sectoral organizations of the International Cooperative Alliance, which is the global apex body representing all cooperatives. CHI raises awareness about cooperative housing by promoting its successes on a global level. We also facilitate networking opportunities via knowledge sharing events. If you go to our first podcast episode, we explain housing cooperatives. If you want to learn more about the different types of housing cooperatives or find out more about the work we do, please head over to our website at housinginternational.coop. So today we are joined by Chan Hong, Operations and Facilities Manager at Mintsnail Housing Co-op in Seoul, South Korea. Thank you, Chan, for joining Hello. us. It's good evening here, but I don't know if it's good morning from there. Yes, it's, it's good morning here in Canada and an evening there. It's uh, nine o'clock in, in Seoul. Yes, nine yeah. o'clock at night in Seoul. Yes. yes. Well, thank, thank you for, uh, for taking your, your evening to, to talk to us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, Mintsnail Housing Co-op uh, from the beginning, the, the housing conditions for youth in South Korea, especially in Seoul, uh, are very difficult. Uh, Goshiwans, which are very small houses that many students rent, are more expensive per square meter than luxury apartments and cheap apartments are in terrible condition. So can you describe the living conditions in Seoul and how this led to the creation of Mintsnail Housing Co-op? Well, uh, to talk about real life issues, uh, I have to say that the house prices are really expensive, uh, especially for uh, parts near universities or places near work where young people have to live in. So for example, uh, Korea has very high uh, down payment uh, you usually have to pay around $10,000 US uh, to even enter an, inside a home. And you have to pay about uh, over $500 a month. But the housing, there is no housing regulation for the quality of homes by the government. So you can live in a house that is leaking with water, but you still have to pay money to live there. So I think it's a, it's a double problem between quality and mon also money and also the government not regulating the quality of homes in Korea. And so how did this lead to the creation of, of Mintsnail? Uh, actually, I have to explain the meaning of Mintsnail first. Uh, Mintsnail is a kind of a composite word of Korean and English. Min means bear in Korean, and snail means snail. So in Korean, it's actually Mintaipeng, which is Mintsnail. Uh, it, uh, it's a snail that has no home, so we call it a mean snail. Uh, that is like the fate of young people in Korea who don't have a home which is adequate or stable to live in. 
So we call ourselves the Minstel generation. And it was a catchphrase to get the word out that we need good housing. I see, interesting. So Minstel has been in existence since uh, two, 2014 and, yes. and began, began as, uh, as Minstel Union. And, yes. and then evolved eventually into, into Mintsnail Housing Co-op. So can you explain a little bit about the, that evolution? Uh, actually, we, uh, Mintsnail started in 2011 uh, as a small students meeting uh, where people uh, wanted to um, do something about the housing problem. And they started selling uh, snail breads to make funds uh, because they wanted to act uh, they wanted to advocate for more dormitories for students, which is kind of public housing for students. And they, after they did that, they started to make networks around with uh, other schools and other students and other young people to create more uh, dormitories. And also they wanted to find out what poor housing conditions uh, young people were in. So they conducted the first survey on young people's living conditions in Korea and also uh, held debates in the National Assembly uh, to, make, to make an issue out of young people's housing problems. So it started out as like that. And then some issues that they struck was uh, with koshi ones. Koshi uh, ones means uh, sort of box houses in Korea, where there's only space enough for two beds. So one, one, one space will be taken up by a bed and right next to it will be a desk and a chair. And when I was young, I slept in one of my friend's Goshi once, and he, sl he slept on the bed, and I slept under the table. <laughs> There's only room enough like that. And they cost so much. They cost $300, $400 a month. And it's, it's really not a home fit for a person to live in. So there, there, so there was a housing crisis in Korea, which was just waiting to be spoken out. So Min Snail caught that opportunity, and then and then got people together to form a voice towards uh, parliament, towards the society, towards the elder generation, and also to our fellow young people that we need, we need a better housing yeah, to live in. So we formed that organization in 2011. And then after that, they uh, made uh, Min Group, which is Winsnell Housing Cooperative. Uh, and the thought behind that was that we're spending uh, $200 to $500 every month uh, on our homes. But this is just kind of, it goes up into the air. It's not something that we can keep for the future or it's investing in other things. So we thought if we got all those money rent together and uh, supplied ourselves with that home, then we can have a perpetual home to live sort of. So they got, uh, they made a fun fund. So we got people who thought like us together to make, to create a snail fund. And also we borrowed, borrowed from a social sector, which gave loans for this social cause. So we built our first home for, we, uh, we borrowed our first home for five people. And then we built our second home for, I think 12 people uh, through so, sort of social funding and borrowing from the government or other places. And we created our own home that uh, we can experiment in. So there was a lot of experiments. We started making a community important. 
uh, we had uh, monthly community meetings, which would go on for three, three or four hours where we shared our stories of our lives. Uh, we shared how to live in a home together. To, so making rules, uh, having cooking rosters or creating little, little meetings where we can share our hobbies and sort of that was that became the concept of snail house which not only supplies the physical uh, part but also deals with the social loneliness of young people and also need to connect with each other right because i imagine in the in the goshiwans when you're yes. you're living in a box like that <laughs> you're you're feeling pretty isolated physically yes. and uh and, and socially as well, especially if you, yeah, if you, you're, the friends that you invite have to sleep underneath the desk. So yes. are Goshiwan still in existence? Ah, yes, there are yeah. a lot of Goshiwans, but gradually the city and the, the city is trying to phase out Goshiwan by remodeling them to into more uh, adequate homes. Uh, so they're providing some incentives for the, for the people who run Goshiwans to change to remodel into some bigger homes or better homes. Mm -hmm. So it, it's become kind of a symbol of the housing problem in Korea, Goshiwan has become, because they're just too inadequate, but a lot of people have to go there because the housing prices are too high. So uh, so your Minsnail Housing Co-op is, is providing, you know, some very necessary housing uh, and, um, and, and, you know, and, and as you said, you know, also providing the, the social aspect, which, uh, which is wonderful, which is, you know, badly needed. So, so Minsnail Housing Co-op was created in 2011. And so um, 10 years later, you have 15 homes in three different cities. So, uh, yes. so you've accomplished a lot since uh, since 2014. What 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 what's the reason for for your success? Uh, I would say there was a lot of small successes for this uh, this big this organization becoming very big. Uh, one was that people uh, I think had great imagination. One thing was uh, that young people could get together and we could run our own home. We could create our own home. And other thing was that. The Minkook knew how to speak out to the uh, politicians or the administrators of the city and the government that they need to create social housing for young people. The way Minkook did that was to create their own civilian uh, nonprofit model of social housing and then showed the government officials that this is possible. At first, the government officials didn't move because there, there was no prior model of social housing in Korea for young people. But then Min Snell said, look, we, even we can run it. <laughs> we are young people with no money, but we can run nonprofit housing and it works. We're not, in, we're not in serious debt. It's a working model. So then the government started providing homes for young people. And then we could be the contractors in that model. So we operated government owned homes. And that's one reason that we grew so fast because we used the institutional change. We use mm -hmm. the government and local government's resources uh, to expand housing that they supply to young people. And the other thing was that I think we tried to make this housing very approachable by young people because it was run by young people themselves. They knew what people needed and what people wanted. Uh, people are always pouring into Seoul City. Young people are always pouring into young city, Seoul City but they don't know where to go. And they need, they need education in how to uh, 
have a decent contract, how to uh, not be cheated in a housing contract or by the landlords. And they, so they, did, they made uh, courses for housing councils with Seoul City so that young people could themselves uh, learn about housing rights and legal issues, and then they can help other people. So they created these uh, housing counseling centers in a few universities in Seoul. And so students could go there and just, just in the campus and then ask, I'm looking for a home or I'm looking for a home and what do I need to look out for? And what is a good contract? contract? How do I look into look for a good home? How do I look at a home in the in a sense in facility sense and also the legal sense? We ourselves were young people that we could create the best uh, services or institutional change for young people. So when you say young people, what, what age range are you, are you talking about? Now we, uh, we provide homes for usually 19 to 39. That, is, that has become sort of the standard by the Korean society for young people. I think it's between when you leave high school to, I, I think it's the, actually the age limit is sort of blurred because I don't know where, where, where you can call some people young. Usually most people are between uh, early 20s and about middle 30s. The first members of Min Snail has, are becoming sort of up to 40s. We're looking to expand the age limit if we can create uh, other housing models for other people who, look, who are looking for 20 or 30 years uh, tenure in their homes, then we can provide more longer housing. Yeah, because I, I was going to ask what, what happens to people, you know, once they turn 40, I, you don't want to kick them out. You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> usually uh, the government owned homes uh, has, has an age limit up to the point of contract. And the contract comes around every two years. So technically you can live until you're 32. But this homes owned by us or homes we contract out from civilian landlords, actually that we can make our own rules for those homes. So we try to expand uh, homes such as the house behind me is owned by our cooperative. It's the first home owned by a cooperative. So we can sort of abolish the age limit if we want to. If we change our uh, co-op, how do you say, code, then we can facilitate other people. And already this home can be, you can live here for over 10 years if you want to. So technically I can live till I'm 49 or 50. Well, that's nice. <laughs> I have to explain a little the Korean uh, housing law because uh, before last year, we could only live for two years and then the landlord could kick us out. But now that has become uh, two plus two, so we can live for four years. And the landlord can, can't raise the prices uh, in that four years. So the Korean housing law has only a short tenure in the legal sense, which is really different to some European countries and countries that we, we study. Mm -hmm. so, so snail houses in comparison, you can live, the government owned house, you can live for four, six years. Uh, two years, two years, two years. But this house that we try to make is you can live for 10 years, but in reality, you can actually live for 30 years because uh, you can renew it twice, the contract. Oh, okay. In, in the ideal world, we, we're trying to make the Minsnet house uh, alternative for life. 
I think that is, the, we think that is the right way to go for uh, housing in general for in Korea. Yeah, that, well, that's one thing that uh, is a sort of like a highlight of, of housing cooperatives, uh, well, here in Canada and, and elsewhere too, is, you know, that there, once you live in a, once you move into a housing co-op, you have security yes. of tenure. Yeah. And you know, so, you know, as long as you abide by the rules, you know, there's, there's no reason for anyone to ask you to leave, you know, like there, yeah. you don't have, a, there's no, you know, like, you know, a co-op, everyone is the landlord, you're, you're together, yeah. you know, you're, you're in control of your, of your housing. Yeah. And, uh, and the only reason you would be asked to leave is if you're breaking the rules or you're not, you're not paying your rent. Mm -hmm. So, uh, which is different from, you know, a landlord and tenant situation where the, the landlord can ask you to leave because, uh, you know, their cousin, you know, needs a place to live. And, <laughs> and so the landlord can just kick you out to, to move in their cousin or, or they can kick you out because they, they want to renovate and then raise the rents. Yeah. So, um, but I mean, it all depends on, on the, the housing laws in, in the country that the, the co-ops operate under. So there's 200 uh, young adults living in 15 different homes in three different cities that are part of Mintnail Co-op. So can you describe uh, the homes that are located in, in Jeonju and Bucheon uh, and, and what the living conditions are in, in those two cities? First of all, uh, if I can describe Bucheon first, uh, Bucheon is kind of a satellite city of Seoul uh, where people a lot of people work in Seoul, but they live in Bucheon. I see. Uh, but it's connected by the subway, so it's very close to Seoul, actually, in terms of transport. And the reason we could provide uh, 43 studios there is because the building was owned by the Land and Housing, which is a public company of, of the government. And they, uh, they wanted to provide house, social housing for young people, and they looked for operator. So we applied, and then we... we we were chosen to operate the place. Actually, uh, Bucheon is sort of special because there's so many people living there, 43 people, one per home. And we had to experiment with the community programs there. We usually used online uh, community program. How long does it take to commute from Bucheon to Seoul? I would say uh, for, for Bucheon to one to the edge of Seoul would be about 15 to 20 minutes. Oh, okay. So, pretty, yeah, it's pretty close. Yeah. Or, or very efficient train. Oh, yes. <laughs> and, uh, and then in Jeonju, I hear Jeonju is a, there's, is a historical uh, oh, city. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it's a very historical city in the southwest part of, uh, of the peninsula. And it is known for very low buildings. It's not very developed. Last time I went there, there were no elevators in the bus terminal. It was it was very old city. It's a very old uh -huh. city, no full of Hanok Korean traditional houses. And the place was we that we are operating uh, is actually a house owned by the Jeonju uh, government, the city government. The snail house was actually started uh, not by the office of the snail union, but members who live there who were also uh, activists there, like cultural activists and other kinds of activists. They wanted to create a center of activism in uh, Jeonju. So they got together in their own homes and made a meeting, sort of housing, meeting about housing. And then they cooperated with Minkook to 
make one Jeonju snail house where they live there. And now they created their own uh, housing cooperative and they want, they want to create their own more uh, social housing for young people, especially for activists to live in Jeonju. Oh, nice. Well, that's good to hear. So you're, can you tell us about you know, what your role is and, and what you're, you're responsible for? You're the manager, uh, your operations and facilities manager. So what, what does that uh, entail? Usually uh, my job is to look after the building itself or the housing conditions of people. So for example, people would ask, uh, how do I get rid of molds? And then I say, uh, you have to use this, these mold, mold sprays and you have to wipe it off. And also when it becomes winter or summer, we, uh, we give out guides to take care of their own homes, like air their homes regularly and also wash their air conditioner filters. And the big problems that we face is some, some houses have leaks, like water coming in through the roof. And then I have to go there and call the engineers and then they come here and they say, oh, this is this and this problem. It costs this much. And then I have to say, I have to take care of the problems and fix homes by working with other uh, caretakers. Mm -hmm. Yes. If there's any conflict between members, uh, do you have to deal with that too? Uh, yes, uh, we have. We have a team for that, but I, I'm also interested in conflicts. So I also participate in, uh, in solving housing conflicts. And we try to listen to the people's, to many people's voices. And then sometimes we have to say, oh, this person can't live here anymore because the problem, the problem caused has, uh, has been a breach of contract, some, some parts. Uh, but usually, uh, we try to let the own snail house sort out the problem themselves because they have their own system of governing. Each snail house has their own system of governing. So we try to respect their uh, self, self, uh, self running of things. Mm -hmm. But sometimes people ask us to, uh, to come in and have uh, some workshops like conflict resolution workshops. And so we're trying to create these workshops where people learn how to solve conflicts peacefully. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's an important element of people living together. Um, so you, so you, you work there and you live there as well. Uh, I live. I work in an office which is about uh, twenty minutes by bus from here, from Yonhidong, where I live. So, uh, besides yourself, how many other staff? Are, are there in total working at, at Mintsnail Housing Co-op? Uh, right now, five full-time and one part-time. Also the board of directors, Shido, Shido, she is also working full-time. So she's, uh, Shido is the, the president of, yes. of the co-op, yeah. So you talked about uh, some government homes. Um, you built, the, the first house was built on private leased land which uh, has since encouraged the government uh, to let you run some of the government-owned houses. And then yes. you recently built uh, this, this home. Uh, is this one on city land? The one uh, that yes, you're this at? is yeah. on Seoul city land. And it's kind of a new model where the city lends you the, the land and then we build the social housing on top. And then we run it for 30 years and then we sell the building back to the city. Oh, That's I see. Place. And, and are you on a lease? Are you, le are you leasing the land or they're 
Yes, the land yeah. is yeah. leased. It's a, yes. So it's a 30 year lease. Yes. And, yes. and then you, you sell the building back to the government. And, and yes. any idea what the government is going to do in 30 years? Uh, I think I heard that if we want, we can renew the contract for, mm. for more 30 years or so. Because this land was chosen by the uh, Seoul city to be land, to be provided for social housing in the first place. And if we sell the house back to the government, the government will, will then just find another operator who will operate the social housing. Mm, okay. So I think uh, the important thing, uh, another thing that I want to mention is that uh, social housing for young people itself is a really new idea in Korea. And uh, this was possible because Minsnail uh, created the first social housing for young people, but it was by civilians. So a lot of people don't, still don't know about this model. I think there's uh, still not enough uh, public housing for young people or, or other people in general in Korea, because we only have around seven to 8% of our housing is publicly owned, public rental homes. And, but I heard the OECD countries uh, average is around 20%. 20% of housing are publicly owned by the OECD countries. Yeah, you have to uh, you have to promote your your housing co-op and and uh, yeah, let as many people know as possible. Well, we're we're through through this podcast. We're uh, we're definitely spreading the word about uh, about your housing co-op in in Seoul. And yeah, it, it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't easy to to find you. So yes. we're glad that we did. <laughs> and uh, and you know you're you're continually growing and uh, so hoping that, uh, that, that, that your growth, uh, you know, continues and, uh, you know, and, and that more people are, more young people are, are housed. And, and also the, the thing with, you know, wh when you're introduced to housing co-ops when you're young, you, you don't really want to live in another type of house, you know, like you, you, you see the benefits and, uh, you know, so, so the more people, you know, that are exposed to it through, through living in, in Minsnail, you know, the, the, the more they'll be involved in, in creating some, some new housing, hopefully, and, and with government partnerships, you know, like with uh, providing land and in providing buildings for you to operate. So you're on the right track. So you have, so because you're spread out, uh, you have 15 different homes. Do you, do you ever all get together? Um, and I imagine like during COVID it's been a bit of a, it's been difficult. Like, do you meet, do you meet like online? Do you have uh, an annual general meeting where, where everyone meets? How, how, how do you keep connected with, the, with all the, the different homes? Uh, we have one general uh, meeting every year, but, it's very difficult to, for everyone to be at the same meeting because we have a lot of members. Around 470, we have 470 okay. members and 250 of them are living in snail houses. It's very hard to bring all of them together, but we try to have at least some people from each house here. And one of the system would be the super representatives, which take up uh, one tenth of our membership. They're elected uh, in each snail house for to represent living members and also other people are they apply for non-living members people who don't live in snail houses but who support this co-op so we have uh, one super representative assembly every uh, every half year they make the important decisions around 
so the, the co-op also has a series of events like bazaars and healing yes. trips. Uh, have you been able to do any of these during COVID? And, and, and are these events uh, for building community? Yes. Yeah. Uh, we had, we had an athletics festival online uh, last year. <laughs> How did you do that? <laughs> and if you, if you see our photos, we're doing stretching all together. And then, and then we're doing games that we can play uh, on, online through, like, for example, like charades or, or trying to, uh, some people dancing a tune of K-pop and then people try to guess what kind of song they're trying to represent. So we have a lot of events for people to be connected in COVID. And are, are you involved in, in coordinating that or is that someone else's role? Oh, yes, I was one of the people in the, in the in people organizing the meeting. So there's also a, a green snail group that meets every two weeks to discuss sustainability initiatives. What kind of actions and, and policies has the, has the group initiated? Our president, Shido, is very interested in, in the environment. Also other members, other young people are very interested in uh, green or sustainable energy and other things. So there was a, we created a green snail task force to create some rules and other plans for sustainable snails. So they created 11 rules for snail house that we want people, it's kind of a guideline for living in snail house, like making your shower short, for instance, taking a bag to shop, shopping, eating vegetarian once a week. Those are some of the guidelines for that. And then that evolved into a plan for a super representative meeting for Green TF, where superintendents will make a plan and suggest projects for the office to operate for us to do. And some of them has been one that's called sort of a Green New Deal project they, they're trying to suggest. And that'll create a, a business model that connects the snail house with other social social uh, ventures or who are interested in sustainability. So this is actually a sort of a new project that has only been sort of formed last week. The main point of all these actions is that snail house, people want snail houses to be a place where you can experiment sustainability from small things like making a huge container of washing powder. People can share the washing powder by getting their own cups and so you can lessen sort of plastic or from small things to big things like making uh, solar panels which we are we're trying to uh, we are making a, the first solar panels on the top of this building in july that is thanks to uh, the seoul city and the central government who are, who are paying for subsidies so they're paying up to four-fifths of the cost of uh, installing solar panels eventually if we have uh, enough funds if it is possible we want to create buildings which have the building itself is sustainable so the ingredients of the buildings will be low carbon or the way of construction will emit less carbon and we'll, we can build a building that uh, has that can be cool in summer and hot in warmer in winter that is the long-term goal but it requires a lot of efforts to be a green stainless yeah oh well, that's that's good to hear that you're getting you're finally getting your solar panels <laughs> in July and um, so that so you're saying that Seoul City uh, is paying for four-fifths is a is a fe is the federal government involved as well uh, yes uh, the yeah. central government is paying for out of around uh, seven seven hundred fifty 
$7,500 for solar panels. The central government is paying around $2,500. The Seoul city government is paying around $1,500. I'm not sure I calculated right, but we only have to pay $700 to create a solar panel. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And that'll, that'll power one home of four people. Okay. Well, there's also, I think in, in a previous conversation that, that we had, we, you were talking about how in, in Seoul, the, the buildings are, are, are demolished after 50 years 30 or, or 30 something, years. 30, yes. 40 years, uh, which is not very sustainable. I mean, that, that, you know, like buildings should last much longer than that. And, yes. and, and then because the buildings use so much concrete, you know, concrete uh, yeah. is a, a huge contributor to, to carbon gases. And, uh, and I was just reading an article yesterday about uh, low carbon uh, cement, uh, which is quite interesting. Uh, you know, it's just so how the industry is uh, looking at ways of creating concrete that is, you know, that, that creates lower emissions and uses uh you know low carbon energy but uh but still you know like con concrete is is just pervasive it's it's just everywhere and it's the, it's the main construction material i know in some countries they're building with wood you know which is a renewable resource and so you also have an education program for members living in the co-op what kind of topic topics are you educating members about we actually start with co-op introducing co-op concept because a lot of people haven't heard of co-op in Korea. Actually, the co-op law has only passed in the last 10 years. So before that, you could say the co-op was not really, uh, there was no co-op in Korea, mm -hmm. not many co-ops in Korea. So we tried to uh, introduce the co-op concept and also what it, what it is to live together in, the, in a home because Living together is very different from living by yourself or with your family, original family with your parents. So uh, we try to talk together about uh, what it is to live in a home and what I would like in a home, how I would solve conflicts with other people through dialogue. And the important thing is that it's, it is not all done by workers. We have a program where, where members come in and the members themselves uh, change the curriculum and also educate other members who are new to co-op. They can share their own stories and also the culture of Minsnell House, which is really based in how we can respect each other in the home and how we can make a community that is really friendly, but not too pervasive into personal space. And that's, I think that needs a lot of, a lot of talking to do. Mm -hmm. oh, that's, that's good that uh, you have that program. So what's, what's it like to live in, in Minsnail Co-op? Uh, actually, I, will, I asked a person before the podcast what she thought about living in Snail House. And she said that it's, uh, when she was a student, uh, she thought that after I graduate, where will I live? And then she got to know Minsnail Housing Group. And then she said, uh, I could start dreaming about the future. I could start imagining about what to do in the home. And actually more important than the building, housing itself was the people that she met. And it created a safe community, a safe place to come home to, a place where you can cook together and eat together and also like go on trips together and trying to, and people in the Minsnell Housing Group really wanted to change the world for the better, also for young people. So I think um, 
it's I think that's what yeah that's what it means yeah oh nice um so what's the long-term goal for for Minsnail? you have you have more homes that are being planned there's we're planning for a home uh, in late this year uh, trying to make a second own home house that we built built from scratch on city land also we're sort of wondering how much how much we can expand and how to keep the quality of community or housing together because because when we expand our our human resources really stretch to the limit at this point also so uh, I think it's hard it's hard trying to balance between progress and also keeping the spirit of uh, the medicinal union intact in our own homes especially with the COVID situation the community has been really uh, hard to build or maintain especially for new, new homes which are uh, supplied during the crisis or around the crisis so we're trying to sort of think about how to make people feel home in the snail house because a lot of people are actually not trying not able to connect to the community or create a community there so i think that's that's sort of our homework to do so the so the, the goal is to to create that sense of of community um, yes. within the the 15 different homes that that you have yeah yeah that must yeah. be a challenge <laughs> that uh, that wraps up our our conversation today thank you so much chan for taking the time in your evening to to talk to us and introduce us to Mintsnail housing co-op it's really interesting to to hear how how you've grown uh, and the, the evolution and, uh, and the path forward. So I'm sure we'll, we'll hear more from you uh, in, the, in the coming years. So thank you very much. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this latest episode of Co-op Conversations. We hope that it provided a better understanding of what life is like in a housing co-op. If you're interested in finding out more, you can visit us at housinginternational.coop. We feature many stories and resources on our website with useful tools, studies, and articles on topics ranging from governance to finance to sustainability and so on. You can also find us on social media, on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram where we like to share stories and good practices of co-op housing around the world. If you want to find a housing co-op in your region, I suggest that you do an online search for co-op housing along with the name of your city and hopefully something will come up. I would like to thank all of our guests for sharing their stories with us. I would also like to thank our sound technician, Todd LeBlanc, who also lives in a housing co-op in Vancouver, Canada. Thanks for listening.